Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. and welcome back to my channel if you're new here hi i'm nikki and i am the host of macabre london and welcome to our podcast listeners as well i thought i would start releasing these episodes via the podcast as well because you don't need to watch them so i thought well it's good if you watch them because they have a lot of extra stuff in them in terms of picture and video but actually if you just want to hear the story then i thought why not just actually release these as podcast episodes as well so just to introduce a little bit as to what these actually are There'll be deviations from our London-based episodes, but because there's so many horrible and macabre things that have happened across the world, I thought, why not actually just start looking outside of London and do some mini-episodes? So um, if you're not into that and you don't want to stick around, then I'll see you for the next episode of Macabre London, which will be a proper scripted one. But in order to give you a bit more content, I figured it was probably just a good idea to start doing these. And if you do like them, then please let me know so I know to continue making them. If you're watching on YouTube, then just pop me a comment below. Or if you're listening on the podcast, then just drop me a note via my social media. All the links will be in the description below. And also, this is now your chance to start giving me stories for the podcast. I've always been pretty open to things. I know that a lot of you that listen to the podcast or watch the YouTube show aren't from the UK, so you might not actually be able to give me any London-based stories, but this is open to the whole world. So if you've got a macabre story or something grim and gruesome that you want covered, you can get in touch via my social media or you can send me an email as well to macabrelondon at hotmail.com. Very simple. Now, for those of you that are watching on YouTube, this is actually your second macabre mini mystery. You did have one not that long ago. So if you're listening on the podcast and you want to catch up on that other one, then just head over to YouTube. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers by the end of the year. So if you're able to pop on there and subscribe, then that'd be great. Thanks. And to just give you a warning before we get started on today's mini mystery, it is about flying. So if you're at all frightened of flying, I know I am. And don't now really regret having looked into this story because I'm never going to sit on a plane comfortably in the future. Not that I ever did sit comfortably on a plane before, but I think now it's going to make it much, much worse. So if that's you, then head on out and I'll see you next time. <laughs> On 
a sunny July morning in 1990 at Birmingham Airport, a statement which already sounds implausible. Sorry, Birmingham. Passengers were patiently waiting to board flight 5390 to make their way to even sunnier Malaga in Spain. The flight was full, with 81 passengers waiting to board the plane, along with six flight crew. Everything was normal on the flight to begin with, but what happened next is one of the most disturbing and fear-inducing situations I think I've ever read about. And you know me, I've read some pretty nasty stuff in my time, so that's saying something. So again, here's this warning, if you're still scared of flying and you're still here, probably go. So all of the flight attendants that were on board that day, Nigel Ogden, Simon Rogers, Sue Prince and John Heward, were all really experienced flyers. And they'd all been colleagues for quite some time, so they all knew each other really well. And they'd all flown together on a number of occasions. Now, new to the team that day was a co-pilot by the name of Alistair Aitchison. Alistair was 38 years old and he'd driven down from Manchester that morning to co-pilot the flight. The captain that day was Tim Lancaster. He was a commercial pilot, he was 42 years old and he'd been flying for 21 years by that point. So that made him super experienced. Now, on the morning before all the passengers boarded the plane, Alistair went out and performed all the regular safety checks that you would do as a co-pilot, and this included an inspection of the aircraft to make sure that everything was in place and nothing was looking dodgy and everything was as it should be. Now, Tim, the captain, was going through all his regular checks on the inside of the plane to make sure that everything was okay before they started flying, and he noticed that there'd been some maintenance carried out to the plane that very morning, and the windscreen had been replaced... But other than that, there was nothing else untoward, everything was normal as it should be, and nothing that they should be concerned or worried about. Now, something I didn't know is that it's very rare when you're a commercial pilot to fly the same plane twice. I thought that perhaps it would be a bit like you get to one destination, you have a turnaround, and then you come back on the same plane, but apparently that's not the case. It's very rare that you would actually end up flying the same plane twice within, say, six months or so. So whenever a pilot gets into a plane, they always just carry out all the checks as they should do anyway, just to make sure that that plane is familiar to them. So now that the plane had been checked, they were ready to start boarding the passengers and to get them ready for their flight. Everybody got onto the, uh, it was a BCC 111 aircraft, which is now obsolete. And once everyone was settled with the bag stowed, seatbelts fastened, and their tray tables and seats in the upright position, they were ready to get going. And it wasn't long before they were soon trafficking along the runway. By this time it was approximately 8.20 in the morning and the plane took off and the passengers were looking forward to a short two-hour flight and then they'd be poolside with a cocktail in hand before noon. Sounds like a perfect day to me. However, things were about to take a bit of a turn. About two minutes into the air, the autopilot was switched on by Captain Tim and Nigel, one of the stewards, went in to ask the pilots if they would like something to drink alongside their breakfast that was about to be served to them. As the autopilot had been switched on, Tim had loosened his shoulder straps and his seatbelt so he was able to get more comfortable now that takeoff was over. Now, just a few seconds later, a huge explosion was heard at the front of the plane and the left-hand panel of the windscreen had been ripped out of the cockpit. Now, with the windscreen leaving, the change in air pressure had ripped Captain Tim out of his seat and through the gap where the windscreen was. With the force of the air pressure change, his body had been flipped over the front of the plane and he was now pinned against the top of the aircraft. As he'd flown out of the plane, his feet got caught on the controls and that sent the plane into a nosedive. The flight deck was now filled with condensation as the cold air was rushing into the plane, which made it difficult to see. And Nigel, who was at the front of the plane, heard the explosion and thought that a bomb had gone off. It was that loud. 
but as he turned around, he could see that the flight deck door had been blown into the cockpit and was resting on the control panel. He could also see Tim's legs dangling in the space where the windscreen should have been. From where he was, he could see that Tim was slipping out and up over the top of the plane, so he ran towards him and grabbed his legs before he disappeared completely. At this point, Tim's feet were still caught on the controls, so the plane was still in a nosedive and Alistair was trying to get control, but because Tim's feet were pushing the controls, as a co-pilot he can only get partial control, so as soon as all of this happened and he managed to regain his composure and work out what was going on, he called air traffic control. But because the noise of the air rushing into the cockpit was so loud, he couldn't be heard by air traffic control and he couldn't hear them. So apart from the damage that's already been done to the plane, which could already cause it to crash, he's now got to regain control of a plane that is falling through the air, through really busy air traffic space where a plane could crash into them at any moment. John Heward, the chief flight attendant, who was further away from the cockpit when the window fell out, looked down the plane to see Nigel holding Tim's legs. He could see that the flight deck door was on the panel, which was causing the plane to nosedive. So thinking on his feet, he ran along, jumped on the door and managed to smash it into three or four pieces to get the door out of the way so that the controls could be regained. Now thinking even further, John managed to use his initiative and grabbed hold of Nigel and a seatbelt that was from a spare seat in the cockpit and anchored them all into the plane so that meant that Nigel wouldn't fly out of the window along with Tim as well and that helped to keep them secure. Now by this time, Nigel and John had managed to move Tim's feet so the controls could be touched again. And this meant that Alistair now had full control of the plane again. So, at least that's something. (laughs) To make matters worse, the air at 17,000 feet, as I'm sure you are well aware, is very thin. The oxygen levels are very poor. And so, in the cockpit, the oxygen levels were actually quite low. And that also risked Alistair lapsing into unconsciousness as well. So, in order for that not to happen, he decided to keep on diving so the aircraft could get to a level that had oxygen. Now, as this was quite an old aircraft as well, not everybody had access to oxygen, and Alistair was well aware of this, so he did that to make sure that everybody could keep breathing. Also, he knew that if he could dive deeper, then he could get under the flight path of all the air traffic, so that would stop any other planes from crashing into them. Now, the plane was going at around about 170 miles per hour, but when Tim had been sucked out of the plane, it had been going at around about 550 miles per hour, and this meant that he was pinned to the top of the plane. But now it slowed down, this meant that he wasn't pinned anymore, his body was actually smashing against the side of the plane. And this also meant that for Nigel, it was much harder for him to keep hold of him, and he could feel that he was slipping. Simon Rogers, who was another flight attendant who was at the back of the plane with Sue as they were getting ready to start the in-flight drinks service, had been checking on the frightened passengers and making his way along the aisle. He then saw the chaos that was happening in the cockpit and went to help while Sue took over the control of the 81 frightened passengers on her own. All three of the flight attendants could now see Tim's body repeatedly banging against the side of the plane and they were watching him for signs of life. His eyes stayed wide open and he wasn't blinking and Nigel said he was certain he was dead. By this time, from holding on to Tim so tightly, the wind chill that was coming through into the cockpit was actually starting to give Nigel frostbite, so this was making it even harder for him to hold on to Tim's legs. And his arms were just exhausted from holding on to the weight of a fully grown man. So Nigel gave in because he couldn't hold Tim any longer, so he handed over the reins to Simon and John. They managed to manoeuvre his legs as much as they could to make it easier to hold on to him, and with two men it was much easier to do that. But try as they might, they still couldn't get him back in through the window. With everyone exhausted, it was getting more and more difficult to hold on to Tim, so it seemed like a logical thing to let him go out of the window. 
However, Alistair saw that this might have been starting to happen and said to them that no, they definitely shouldn't do that because if Tim's body was to be fully sucked out of the plane, it would fly backwards, hit an engine, it could cause damage to the wing, it could even cause a fire. So Alistair was adamant that the body shouldn't be let go at any cost because that could definitely cause the plane to crash. So it had now been seven minutes since air traffic control was called and now the plane had managed to drop to a lower level and also slow down. They eventually managed to hear what they were saying, and they said that they could land at Southampton Airport. Alistair, who, even though he was an experienced flyer, had never actually landed at Southampton Airport before, so he didn't know the layout of the place at all, so he was going to have to do all of this by eye. So with that in mind, he asked if he could land at Gatwick Airport, and they said that no he'd needed to just get on the ground as quickly as possible. Now, something else I didn't know about air travel until I started researching this is that apparently in the flight deck, you have a manifest of all the different airports around the world and all the different places that you can land and guides as to how to do that. That would have been fine if all of those plans had remained in the cockpit. But when the window exploded out, everything else did too. So Alistair was now going to have to land the plane completely blind with no guide at all as to how to get down onto the ground. Also, the reason there's two pilots is not just for a reason like this, but it's actually because one guides the plane down to the ground and then the other does all the emergency checks and also tells them how to land the plane. And so now Alistair was going to have to land somewhere that he didn't know without anybody else to guide him in and also have to carry out all the emergency checks as he was landing on his own, whilst there was no window and there was a body hanging out the front. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Air traffic control by this point had heard exactly what had happened and they were completely shocked by what had happened. They upgraded the landing up to a category one, which meant that the plane could land immediately. This now meant that air traffic control could also call the emergency services as well. And so now Alistair could see the runway and it must have looked like an oasis to him and he spoke to air traffic control and they said that they would talk him down and then for the last bit they left him to it and said that he knows what he's doing, could be calm land the plane and he did it and everyone on board must have been so relieved so now they were back on the ground the emergency services had arrived and the first thing they had to do was obviously come and recover tim's body from the front of the plane before the passengers could even disembark tim had been hanging out the front of the plane for around about 20 minutes or so in minus degree weather like minus 17 degrees i think it was And also at those speeds as well, he wouldn't have been able to breathe. And so paramedics came and got him and took him off the front of the plane and loaded him into the back of the ambulance. Now, against all odds, he was alive, which I cannot believe, but he was alive. 
and he was in hospital for a little while afterwards and as he started to recover he managed to he managed to remember exactly what happened to him so the reason he survived was whilst he was out of the aircraft he remembered thinking that he wasn't going to be able to breathe unless he turned his head so he turned his head and if you can imagine I don't even think I can imagine but he would be pinned by the air so it would be very very hard to move but he managed to move and that way he was able to breathe because the updraft of the air wasn't going directly into his mouth. Now, for an incident so huge as this, you would have thought that he would have suffered major injuries, but actually, he only had very minor cuts and bruises and a little bit of frostbite. Other than that, nothing. So, after the incident, the air crash investigation team seized the plane to assess what had happened. They found that the windscreen had been reinstalled incorrectly. The bolts that had been used to secure it in place were too small for the job, so as soon as the air pressure hit then that was what sent the windscreen flying. What they found out was the engineer that had replaced the bolts had just used exactly the same bolts that had been used for it before, and he hadn't actually gone to go and check in the manual for the plane what bolts it was that were needed, he just replaced the same ones. He also somehow managed to pick some bolts that were even slightly smaller than the ones that were in there before, because he couldn't find the ones that he needed. So he went elsewhere to find them, and it turned out that they were just even so slightly smaller, and this made all the difference on the day to the air pressure, and that's what made the window fly out. Now, for a little bit of peace of mind, most planes now, the windscreen is held in by the pressure of the cabin, so it's not screwed onto the outside, and this one was screwed onto the outside. So just bear that in mind, the next time you go in a plane, you're probably safe. After that was discovered, the engineer was investigated, and that was not only by the air crash investigation team, but they also brought in a psychologist to find out exactly why the mistake had happened. Using a psychologist was quite a revolutionary technique, and that was because they wanted to find out the behaviour behind the bad choice, and that was quite useful because the questions that were asked of the engineer were quite enlightening. They wanted to find out not only how the wrong size bolts had been installed, but also what had been the thinking behind this, and by finding out the reasoning behind it, that would be the only way to eliminate this from happening in the future. So the investigation found plenty of faults behind the working practices of the engineers at Birmingham Airport, but British Airways tried to null and void the report, as the investigation had been carried out a little differently than usual, and the use of a psychologist was said to not be going by the book. So eventually the report had to be changed to remove the behavioural element of how the accident had happened. However, the report showed that British Airways were in fact overworking their engineers, which led them to cutting corners to get planes fixed quickly, and that's how the incident happened. British Airways had hoped that they would be able to pin the accident on one person and scapegoat them, however the report showed that the whole company was to blame. Now, as a result of the report, this highlighted the need for better working conditions for engineers so this sort of thing wouldn't happen again. All the crew received awards for their bravery and competence on the day, and Alistair received a gold medal for airmanship for his incredible work that day, and Tim went back to flying just five months after all of this had happened, which is incredible. I don't think I would even look at a plane again, let alone fly one. And Tim actually continued flying up until he retired in 2008, and Alistair also continued flying up until 2015 when he retired. However, the lasting effects did take their toll on the rest of the crew and they pretty much all of them retired from flying within a few years and that was because of PTSD. Nigel in particular, who was the one that held on to Tim for the longest, said that it was just too much for him in the end and he gave up. 
And that's because every time he got on a flight, and also he said every day to this day, he still thinks of hanging on to Tim's legs and what had happened if he would have let him go. Now, after all of that, on their first flight back out from Birmingham Airport, everyone who worked there gave them a round of applause when they saw them walking through the concourse, which must have been quite moving for them. And really nice to have that appreciation for saving so many lives on one day. It's amazing the amount of factions that led to the incident in many ways. It could have been much worse. But equally, the overstretched workers were luckily discovered before something fatal could happen. Now, this incident seems like it could be quite isolated. However... It has happened again in human history. In 2018, Flight 8633 on Sichuan Airlines had a similar incident where the windscreen failed and flew out, taking the pilot with it. Now, luckily for this pilot, he was taken halfway out the plane, not as far as Tim was, and he survived with only minor cuts and scrapes, and everyone on board survived as well. Two incidents, that's kind of passable as just a freak occurrence, but no, there's been three. But again, on another flight, when one engine exploded, a passenger was sucked partially out of the small passenger windows, and unfortunately, she later died from her injuries. But I promise that's it. I'll stop scaring you with flight stories now. Now, luckily for us, any time something like this happens, there's always a full investigation, and that leads to improving practices for the future and making sure that these things don't happen again so you can fly safe in the knowledge that if something like this does happen, you'll be improving the lives of other people. Does that help? Maybe? I don't know. But through these events, it means that these things are less likely to happen again. I don't know about you, though, but it still gives me anxiety about next stepping foot on a plane. Thank you for joining me for that episode of Macabre Mini Mysteries. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did and you want to see more of this, then do leave me a comment if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast, then do drop me a message on social media or even pop me a review. Well, if you didn't like it, don't leave me a review because I don't like it when people leave me bad reviews. Don't do that. After all, this is a free podcast. But if you did like it, then please leave me a review and let me know. And subscribe as well to help the show. You can subscribe to the podcast and also subscribe to YouTube as well. Trying to get to a thousand subscribers before the end of the year. So if you are watching on YouTube, then um, please just make sure that you hit that subscribe button. I know a lot of you aren't, so it's free um, and it's just there. So if you could do that, that'd be great. Thank you. Now, if you'd like to support the show and become one of our executive producers, then you can do that via Patreon. Executive producers start at the $10 tier and you will have your name read out at the end of the show. Thank you to Sam and Barry for being executive producers. And all of our other patrons are listed in the show notes below. So if you want to see who's there and be nosy, then have a look in the show notes. Also, if you sign up to Patreon, you get 50% off of our merch, which is mad. I've got one last design of our t-shirts left before I reprint with the new logo. So if you want to grab one of those and get yourself a piece of Macabre London history, then those will be just £10 if you sign up to Patreon. And it doesn't matter what tier you sign up to, you can have one for a tenner. There's limited sizes left. So if you are going to do that and you're just doing it for the t-shirt, then maybe just drop me a message just so I can see if I've got your size first. So all that's left to say is thank you for joining me for another macabre mini mystery. I've been your host, Nikki Druce, and I will see you ghouls next time. <laughs>